Crossroad International Church podcast. We're so glad you joined us. It is our prayer that God will use this message to bring comfort to those who are hurting, give hope to those who find themselves in what seems to be a hopeless situation, and to encourage the one who is struggling through a difficult season of life. For more sermon audio, resources, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit CICKuwait.com. We'd love to hear from you. me, if you would, to the book of Philippians, chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 12 through 16. The same topic that we talked about on Friday, Christian maturity, but from a little different perspective, different scriptures. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 16. It says, not that I have already attained or am already Perfected. But I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus." Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule and let us be of the same mind. Father, we just ask you to bless your word today and seal it in our hearts and seal it in our minds in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me just give you a couple of definitions of maturity. One is from the dictionary. It says to be complete in natural development with fully developed powers of the body and the mind. That's maturity. To be completely or fully developed powers of the body and the mind. That's what we talk about naturally. So, most of us in here are mature. We got a couple of guys that are still growing up. I don't think you've, I hope you haven't reached as high as you're going to be, David. I think you're going to get taller, you too. So, but the rest of us, I don't think any of us are going to grow up. I have a tendency to grow out, but I'm not growing up anymore. So I have physically, I have reached maturity. You know, and then as you get older, sometimes you start going back the other way a little bit. I haven't gotten to that place yet. Um, my hair started letting loose and some of those things, but um, physically I am mature. And I did some research and I got a definition from an educational manual. And this is the educational definition of maturity. Gratification deferred gratification deferred being able to work longer without reward or for reward 
your gratification or your sense of pleasure is deferred so that you can get the job done. That is a definition of maturity. Um, in the generation that's graduating from high school now, there is some problems when they get into the workplace. Because I don't know in the countries you're from, but in the U.S., even in sports teams for the little guys, nobody loses. Everybody wins. Even if the score at the end is 100 to nothing, both teams win and both teams get a trophy. Uh, in schools, a lot of times, the students are always, regardless of how good they do or how bad they do, everybody's promoted, Every, everything's good, it's always handed to you. Uh, they have a lot of problems at schools. I know it doesn't happen here. Probably never happens in a Kuwait school that the parents come and really put pressure on the teacher to give their students better grades. But you have that happen a lot in the States. I even had a manager tell me one time that he had a young man coming in for an interview and his mother called and says, can I do the interview for my son for the job? No gratification deferred. It's everything's handed to you. Then they get into the real world in the workplace and mama's not there to help them. Everything's not handed to them on a silver platter and they have trouble. So those are just a couple of secular definitions. But what does the Bible say about maturity? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. It says, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Our maturity in Christ is based on the wisdom that comes from God, not the wisdom that comes from this world. When I went to Bible college, I got my Bachelor of Theology degree. When I went there, I thought I knew everything. I'd been saved for a few months and, you know, had read the Bible and Graduated four years later, and they gave me this piece of paper that said I had a Bachelor of Theology degree, and I realized I didn't know anything about the Bible. I'd studied it for four years, and I got my master's degree and realized I knew even less, and then I got my doctorate degree, and I know even less, because the more I study this, the more I find there is to learn. And so we need to understand that our maturity comes from the wisdom from God, not from our education. Now, there's nothing wrong with education. Everybody, I believe, needs to go to Bible school. I would love every member of CIC to have a degree in the Bible and to, to know it inside and out. But that's not where our maturity comes. It helps, but our maturity comes from the wisdom of God. 
And then in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 16, says it, And he himself gave some to be apostles and some prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love that we may grow up in all things to him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body is joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share and causes growth of the body edifying itself in love. Our maturity comes from the wisdom of God, not of man, and our maturity is seen in our service to the body of Christ. See, what I'm doing right now is not ministry. Ministry isn't done from the pulpit. Equipping is done from the pulpit. So Dell and I, my job is to equip you as the body of Christ that when you go to work tomorrow that you have been equipped with the Word of God to do the work of the ministry. And the body of Christ grows and the church grows by what each one of us supplies. So every one of us is needed. You know, in a building there around here, there's some columns that hold this building up. They're not very big. But don't take one out. <laughs> it doesn't look very significant, but they are what's called load-bearing columns. They carry the load of this entire building. If you take one out, the foundation is weakened. You take another one out and it's weakened anymore and before long the building collapses because those what look to be insignificant columns have been removed. So don't think that you are insignificant in the body of Christ. Amen? Because every one of us is important. Every one of us is holding up a bit of the load of the body of Christ of the church and God has placed each one of us strategically in the body of Christ where he wants us to be. And so our maturity is seen in our service. I think it was John F. Kennedy, I'm not certain, that said, if y'all know, if I misquote this, tell me who it was. It says, don't say what can my country do for me? but what can I do for my country? That was Kennedy, right? Okay, I th thought so. So when we come to church, our question needs to be, what can I do to serve the body of Christ at CIC, not what can CIC do to serve me? 
and see if every one of us have that idea and that concept. Husbands, your question is, what can I do to serve my wife, not how can my wife serve me better? And the lady said, amen. <laughs> Listen up real close, Abiel. You've got, you've got 18 days left. <laughs> okay? <laughs> and ladies, you ask the question, what can I do to serve my husband, not how can my husband serve me? And the guys all said, amen. <laughs> But we show our Christian maturity by the way we serve one another. You know, even in our family, we've got this new little granddaughter. You know, she's three and a half, four months old. She can't do anything for herself. You know, she just now found out how to put her fingers in her mouth so she doesn't need her pacifier as much because she uses her fingers. That's the only thing she can do for herself, basically. She can't even turn over at this point. You know, somebody has to turn her over. But we have a 12-year-old granddaughter that cooked grilled cheese sandwiches for us for lunch. She can make macaroni and cheese for us. She does. She makes a loaf of bread every day in the bread maker. She has chickens that she takes care of. So she is showing her maturity as a young lady in the family by the way she serves the family. And it's the same way in the body of Christ. So we get our maturity from wisdom, the wisdom of God, and then we show it through our service. And then Acts 20, 27, Paul says, for I have not shunned to declare you the whole counsel of God. And then 2 Timothy 3, 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be mature or complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Our maturity comes from the whole counsel of God, not the bits and pieces that I like. Have you ever read anything in here that convicted you? You ever read anything in here that, that brings correction to an area of your life? Don't be like the man I heard that read the Bible with a black marker, a black Sharpie, and every scripture he didn't like, he just blacked it out. You know, there's an old saying, don't rub the cat the wrong way. Well, if the Bible rubs you the wrong way, turn around and get in line with the Bible so it rubs you the right way. Okay? <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> uh, that's a good South Louisiana <laughs> saying, okay? But it's the whole counsel of God. I know some churches that are New Testament churches, 
They don't read the Old Testament. They only read the New Testament. It's the New Covenant. But you don't have the whole counsel of God if you don't start at Genesis chapter 1 and end at Revelation 21. Okay? As one old man said, I love that Bible. I like it all the way from the book of Generations to the book of Revolutions, and I really like where it talks about the job in the middle. We had one preacher came to our church. He was an old country preacher, and he said, turn to the book of Pisms, please. <laughs> Psalms. <laughs> the whole council, even if you call it the book of generations or revolutions, and you go to the book of Job rather than Job, you know, or we have a book to the Filipinos rather than the Philippians, you know, <laughs> it, I mean, as long as you read it and you understand it and you live by it, okay? The whole counsel of God. And then we're going to go through this scripture in Philippians real quick um, just to see a few highlights. In chapter 3, verse 12, maturity is knowing that you are not perfect, that was a revelation to me when I realized I wasn't perfect. It was a shock. <laughs> Am I the only one that always thought I was perfect? No. <laughs> None of us are perfect. And Paul says here in verse 12, not that I have already attained or am already perfected. Paul says it. it I'm not perfect. I'm not there yet. I'm still working. Matt Nelson says, what makes Christianity as hard is that it reminds of, uh, reminds of, rewind. Matt Nelson said, what makes Christianity hard is that it reminds us of our imperfections. And Billy Graham said this, I love it. Becoming a Christian is not the end of your problems. It's simply the beginning of facing them. Think about that. Becoming a Christian is not the end of your problems. It is simply the beginning of facing your problems. We must face our character flaws and allow the Holy Spirit to change us. My job is not to change you. My job is to kill you. And we may not want that on the tape, Dale. You can edit that. <laughs> because the Bible says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Dale dealt that scripture was this last week. I am crucified with Christ, Galatians. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. I've told this story before. When we lived in Kenya, we had wonderful neighbors. They were quiet. They never parked in front of our parking spot because we lived next to the cemetery. All of our neighbors were dead. <laughs> wonderful neighbors. They never bothered us. 
So I want to ask you today, are you dead in self and alive in Christ, or are you alive in self? And if you are, then we're dead to Christ. And that's what we need to get to the place to where we understand that I am dead to this world. My old man, the the person I used to be, has passed away. This body is 62 years old, but I'm only 42, or 40, actually, because I got saved when I was 22. Some ladies, that's great news because you can take a lot of years off. Amen? (laughs) But we are new creatures in Christ. We're not perfect yet, but we are getting there. We need to face our character flaws and understand that God loves me just the way I am. And we love you just the way you are. Come as you are. And then the rest of verse 12 and in verse 14, it says that maturity takes determination. Paul goes on to say, I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me in verse 14. I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press, that word or that phrase, I press, is the same that's translated, I follow after in other places in Scripture. It carries the idea of an intense endeavor. And the Greek used to describe, use this word, I follow or I press on, to describe a hunter who is following his prey. And everywhere the, the prey goes, what he's hunting, he diligently follows them until he's able to make the kill. No man becomes a winning athlete, listen to this, by listening to lectures, watching movies, reading books, or cheering from the stands. You become a great athlete by getting out there and working and working and working and working and working. And when you feel like you can't do any more, you work a little harder. That's one of the reasons I don't like going to the gym. Because it involves that four-letter work that I most people hate. W-O-R-K. Work. Amen? But we need to understand that we can't do it just by sitting back. We actually have to put the Word of God into effect. Verse 13, the beginning of 13 says, Maturity takes us being focused. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. One thing I do. 
That one thing is a phrase that is very important in the Christian life. Listen to some of them. One thing thou lackest, Jesus told the rich young ruler. That's in Mark chapter 10, verse 21. One thing is needful, he explained to Martha when she criticized her sister Mary for sitting at the feet of Jesus. Luke chapter 10 and verse 41. One thing I know, exclaimed the man who had received his sight by the power of Christ in John 9.25. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, testified the psalmist in Psalm 27.4. But too many times we as Christians are involved in so many things when the secret of maturity is it concentrating on the one thing that God desires, and that is to know him and to make him known. One thing. I remember when I first went to the mission field, I was God's mate, great man of faith and power for the hour, and we were going to save Africa. And so we saw there was a need for the Jesus film, so I raised money and bought a Jesus film and a projector and a generator, and we went and showed the Jesus film, and then people needed to be fed, so we started feeding programs, and we started Bible schools, and we started churches, and anything that needed to be done, we got involved with it. And I became, as the old saying, a jack of all trades, but a master of none. And a missionary friend of ours brought me aside one day and he said, Steve, you're doing way too many things. You need to do what the one thing God has called you to do. And you need to concentrate on that one thing that God has called you to do and do it to the best of your ability. And he says, because I'll let you know, God is big enough to take care of all the other stuff that he hasn't called you to do. See, I never said it, but what my actions and what my mentality was saying was God can't do it without me, so I have to do everything. Amen? So we need to find out what has God called me to do. He's called me to pastor CIC. He's called you to whatever job that you have. And do it to the very best of your ability. And if God has called you to do something in the church, then do it to the best of your ability, but don't try to do everything, okay? Because we find out when we do that, then a lot of times we don't do as good as we should in the one thing God's called us to, amen? So I need to find out what has God where has he placed me? What has he given me to do? And then I do that to the very best of my ability. One thing. And then the end of verse 13, maturity is a progression. Paul says, 
forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. If we want to be mature followers of Christ, we must learn to forget the past, use the present, and focus on the future. Now, that word forget is more of a forgetting those things that are behind doesn't suggest that we have this mental psychological gymnastics and we remove those thoughts from our mind to where they never come back. The idea is that we break the power of the past by living for the future. My past doesn't control me The police never came to that cemetery we lived next to and arrested any of those people for their past mistakes. I mean, I'm, even if they were murderers, or it didn't matter. They're dead. So if we are dead in Christ and have been resurrected with him into a new life, the old man has passed away. Now all things have become new. Your past does not rule you. Don't be so focused on your past that you miss the present and you don't know where you're going in the future. It's like trying to drive home tonight only looking in the rearview mirror. It is possible, but it would be very hard. And I don't want to ride with you. <laughs> Amen? So, don't get caught up in your past. I can't remember. There was a song that we used to sing when we first got saved, and I can't remember who, who uh, started singing it, but it, the gist of it went like this. Anytime the devil brings up your past, remind him of his future. Amen. See, your past is not who you are. You are who Christ says you are. Amen? What this Bible says you are is the real you, not what your parents said you were, not what society says you were, not even what your employer says you are. It is who are you in Christ? I am the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Amen? I am more than a conqueror. I am an overcomer. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So don't get caught up in your past. Deal with the present and live for the future that God has called you to. Maturity is walking personal Discipline. Verse 15 and 16. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if it, anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that you have already attained, let us walk by this same rule and let us be of the same mind. 
I read another scripture, 1 Corinthians 9, 27. But I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. See, it's not enough to run hard and win the race. You also have to obey the rules. If I'm running a race and I cross out of my lane into the other lane, it doesn't matter if I'm five feet ahead of everybody else when I cross the line. I have been disqualified in the race. For the Christian life, we have a rule book. It's called the Bible. And we need to make sure, oh, sorry, that we live according to the rule book. Just hold on to that. Thank you. Because it takes personal discipline. Bible history is filled with people who began the race with great success, but failed at the end because they disregarded God's rules. Think about it. Lot. Samson, King Saul, Ananias, and Sapphira, just to name a few. Because they broke the rules of God, and God brought judgment upon them, and it can happen to us. So we have to make sure that we play by the rules of what's in the Word. Know what matters and know what does not matter. What is the things that will be of eternal value and concentrate on those? Some of the other things, it doesn't really matter. And that's our philosophy here. In things that are essential for salvation, we all agree. You can't be saved apart from the blood of Jesus. This is the Word of God. Those types of things, we have to be in agreement. In things non-essential for salvation, we give each other freedom to believe differently. Do I wear long sleeves or short sleeves? Do I come to church in a suit or in shorts? You know, those types of things. Do we only sing hymns or do we sing choruses? Do we sing modern worship songs or do we sing a mix? Do we meet in the basement or do we meet in a penthouse? Okay, all of those things don't really matter for our salvation so we can have freedom. That's why there's a lot of different churches in Kuwait, because we're not a one-size-fits-all church. Not everybody is comfortable at CIC, and that's okay. But God wants us to know that the main, keep the main thing, the main thing. Understand what matters for eternity and what doesn't. And give each other grace. Let me ask you, how many of you need the grace of God in your life? Amen. Now, 
Let me, let me see your hands. How many of you need God's grace? Okay. Now think about that person. that really bugs you. <laughs> that one that when you see them, you just want to walk across the street to the other side and not even say hi to them or be around them. You know, you, you've got to go shopping and you walk in Lulu's and there they are and you turn around and you go home because you don't want to see them. Now, if you need God's grace in your life, they need your grace in their life. Amen? Christian maturity. Whoa. Tearing everything up tonight. <laughs> Are we mature in Christ? Or are we still babes in Christ? Our pastor, when we were in Bible school, preached a wonderful message called Bearded Babies. He said it's really cute when you give a little baby a bottle, but when you have to part the whiskers in their beard to get the nipple in, it's not so cute anymore. But how many Christians do we have like that? They've been in the church for years and years and years, but they're still on the milk of the word and they haven't grown to eat the meat of the word. We need to grow up in Christ and have and walk in Christian maturity. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you and we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you that your word is alive and powerful and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. That, Father, your word divides between the thoughts and the intents of our heart. Father, we just ask that tonight by your word, help us to look in your word like we look in a mirror in the morning and to see those things in our lives that need to change. And, Father, we thank you that by your Holy Spirit that you will change them. And Father, help us to fall so in love with your word, the whole counsel of your word from beginning to end and everything in the middle. And that, Father, we live by the rule book of the word of God. And that, Father, we extend grace to everyone that we come in contact with. And Father, I thank you for these men and women that are here tonight. That, Father, you are helping us day by day, week by week, year by year, to grow into the things of Christ. That every day we are more like Jesus than the day before. Father, sometimes it's hard when we hear a word like this because we look at our own imperfections. We look at our own shortcomings. I know, Father, many times as I stand in the pulpit and preach your word, I think about what right do I have to preach your word with the things that I'm dealing with. But, Father, help us to, to know that we know what you've called us to do and we concentrate on that and we do it to the best of our ability. And, Father, we just thank you tonight for 
the comforting spirit of God that comes alongside of us and helps us when we don't know what to do. And Father, I thank you with every difficulty, you give us a way of escape and we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen.